Welcome to Heartbeat, a podcast run by Altawan College, where we discuss how to flourish in all things life, work, and relationships. We'll listen to the stories and wisdom of our staff and draw upon outside guests who are practitioners in their field. We hope these episodes inspire and equip you to flourish, whether in the context of Alter One or beyond to the rest of life. Well, I'm here with Nathan Forster. This is Mark Godfrey here for the Heartbeat Podcast for Alter One College. And we have a special guest with us today, which is Rochelle Masters from Masters Psychology. She's a great friend of the college um, and just a wonderful person and does some incredible work out in the community. And we're so happy to have you, mate. Thank you for having me. I've got a cup of tea. I've got a couch. Oh, I'm happy. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> and I made that cup of tea. I just want you to know that. <laughs> we we're going to do that. So, hey, because obviously, I mean, I know a little bit about you and Nathan White, but tell us a little bit about yourself and a bit about the work that you do in caring for people, Rochelle. Yeah, of course. Well, thank you for inviting me to talk about caring for people. It's quite a big subject. <laughs> it is a big subject. Yeah. Caring for people well. <laughs> But I guess a little bit about me. I'm married to Jules. I've been married for like 26-ish years. Congratulations. I have three sons. So one of them's 23, one of them's 20, and one of them is 12. Wow. Yeah. So I've got three sons. We've got a high proportion of redheads in our family. So, <laughs> you know, and a high proportion of males. So even the dog and the cat. Oh, really? Male. Goodness. So I'm outnumbered. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's a little bit about me. I've been around Perth for a little while now. Yeah. And um, I love our community. But to talk a little bit about the work that I do in caring for people, a few years ago I started what I thought was a, a private practice Mm. which was a solo private practice, so just, just for me. Yeah. <laughs> and I actually thought I could just, you know, I'd grab a couple of couches, a tissue box, a <laughs> nice pictures for the wall, <laughs> and just see, I wanted to see 10 clients a week. I, I'd done some work to get a degree, a clinical psychology degree, and mm. I thought, you know what, I'm just going to do 10 hours a week there so that I could then go back to doing something else that I felt passionate about at the time. And so I didn't really know or understand what it meant to design service provision for mental health, for consumers, even though I'd been to uni. Mm. So I'd been to uni, I'd done the degree, I felt like I had some skills and I knew how to sit on the couch and Talk connect yeah. with people. Mm. But I didn't know a lot about what it meant to throw open the doors and say, we've designed a mental health service with you, 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 you in mind. Yeah. Come as you are. And what I've been doing in the last few years is learning about what that means <laughs> to care for people well. So I'm so mm. glad to be talking about that today. That's also awesome. a big learning curve. Then. Big learning curve, yeah. So that we... We have clinicians, we have a team, we have a team of about 40. And to date, we've seen, you know, I would say over 50,000 different wow. appointments in our city attending to the needs of those with so good with mental health challenges. And it's massive. It's mm. a big challenge mm. out there at the moment. Yeah. Is so. that What's the driving thing underneath that for you? Where, <laughs> where's the driving <laughs> passion for that? like I'm on the couch now like with yeah, the amazing role. Yeah, yeah. You know, my why, why, yeah, why would it. I do mm. this? Mm -hmm. uh, reducing the suffering associated with mental illness mm. is my big why. So why do I do this to reduce the suffering? And I guess to go a little bit deeper than that, I grew up um, in a family environment where I was completely surrounded by mental health challenge. Yeah, well. And at the time where I grew up, we, we didn't really have, I didn't really hear the term mental illness. Mm. There was just a lot of, um, yeah, there was just a lot of challenge, people, people problems happening around me. 
all the time. Yeah. And I actually thought the goal was to sort of block that out and run in the opposite direction. You know, there was a bit of a stigma about being unusual or any kind of wackery, I'd have to say. (laughs) Wackery? That's a new term, right? Yeah, wackery. Put it in a dictionary. I just thought, no, we turned a blind eye to that and we just sort of don't mention it. Yeah. Uh, And except that that wasn't wasn't great. There's not great outcomes in doing that. Yeah. And so why why do I do what I do to reduce the suffering associated with mental health challenge? Mm. Yeah. Was there like a turning point? in your story that mm. really got you to go, all right, this is what I want to pursue as a career, as a passion? 100%. It was actually quite distinct for me. Um, really obvious mm. because uh, for me, I'd actually grown up in a, you know, as a pastor's kid and I thought to serve the community well needed to look a certain way. Mm, wow. And I had really strong paradigm about that. Um indoctrination you might call it (laughs) but i don't know yeah not really that Mm. for me i was just a you know growing up in the environment that i grew up in i I, I knew what Mm. it meant to serve the community Mm. and you know my parents were really big on that in their own way and I was pursuing that because I, I loved that. I loved the idea of serving the community. Mm, yeah. and I, even before I had any qualifications or anything, you know, the local high school would ring and say, hey, do you want to come and help us with the girls at lunchtime? You know, some of them are self-harming. We don't know what to do. Do you know what to do? I didn't know what to do, but I, I thought I'd go along anyway because this was back in the day yeah, that you well, could do that stuff. Yeah, yeah. You could just be a good person, rock up to a community event. I know. Mm. I don't even know if I should say that on this podcast, but you know what? It was like that back yeah, in the, like in the late nineties. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Pitch in. What does the community need? Right. We're there. Wow. Yeah. And I, I love that. But yeah. um as I sort of matured, I suppose, I felt uncomfortable about some of the people care practices that were happening around me. And I wanted to understand it better. Mm. And so I I thought I oh, will I just thought that was a private pursuit, perhaps, for me. But I then went and studied away. I actually hate study. So, you know, gosh, I didn't really want to do the study, but I wanted to the skills, yeah, I suppose. Totally. So that sort yes. of matched. And I really wanted to understand this thing called mental illness, mm. I suppose, a mm. bit better. And, yeah, so I did that. And there was a time where I thought, you know, that I'll do the 10 hours a week thing. I set mm. up that little yep. spot. Just yep. need to earn a bit of income. But then I'll get back to serving the community. Like there were hmm. two sort of distinct sure, things. Sure, okay. Yeah. Uh, but it was then, you know, in opening that room, there was just one room. And I actually had a lot of appointments in the first 18 months. I had just under 10,000 occasions of service oh, wow. um, in an area of Perth that, you know, really didn't have enough services. And I had to sort of pull in other people to help me who were also psychologists and who would people care like I do. And that's when I started to learn about what it means to, to really care for people well, I suppose. Oh, and beautiful. There was, there was a paradigm shift, like, oh, maybe caring for the community needs to look like this mm. for me. Yeah, you know? right. Does yeah. that make sense? No, it, it, yeah. it does, rather than there mm. being kind of like a one-on-one basis and then a, a community thing on that yeah. side, you, you saw the integration yeah. to that. And formed each other. Yeah. And we, we can read it now in a, you know, any mental health report now, you read that, you know, we actually need to be integrating. Mm. You know, we need early intervention. We need education. We need health promotion. You know, we need to be really reaching mm. into the community yes. and actually educating the community so that they don't have to come to the point where they, you know, need one-on-one intervention yeah. there will always be the one-on-one intervention mm-hmm. but actually if we can get in early you can prevent and, um, we can prevent it so yeah. oh, wow. all sorts of things Absolutely. lots of tabs opened yeah that period of time for me yeah, mm. yeah wow and i guess with with these many tabs i imagine quite early in your work it's mm. pretty common to come across people obviously suffering with, mm. with trauma or grief or loss. And I'm thinking about in the context of the work that we do here, yes. here at Alter One. Yeah. Um, so when working in the world of people's trauma, grief and loss, mm-hmm. what can we, oh, sorry, what, what are we and what aren't we talking mm. about when we talk about caring for people well? 
Yeah, that's exactly right. This was actually a hard question to think about because I could give you a technical answer, but no one really wants to hear that. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. <clears throat> so really what we're talking about is we're talking about, in my opinion, a particular posture that we take mm. in attending to people. And when I say posture, I don't mean the way that I sit on the chair. <laughs> I mean the way that we listen, mm. the way that we attend to people's needs, the way we serve. It's about, you know, having a knowledge base perhaps, but it's the way that we dispense that knowledge. And um, this is where my cup of tea analogy comes in. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm listening. I'm, I'm, I'm mm. listening. Because people have asked me this, like, what is it about people care that you that you really get, mm. I suppose? The same question that you're asking. What is this people care? How do we care for people well? And to me, I kind of simplify it to, you know, when someone asks me to make them a cup of tea, Here like you did today. Yes. There's a mug. There's hot water. You know, there's some really simple ingredients. And there's a tea bag. You know, like the, yeah. there might be a dash of milk even. Yes. Or a dash of sugar. Yeah. Or both. <laughs> or both. Yeah, that's why I've got a really nice cup of tea. <laughs> but the way that you put those elements together mm. is so different for everyone. It is. That's what you were nervous about today. Yes. Making this cup of tea for me. I was wanting to serve and care for you very well. Yeah, you were worried about making it right. Absolutely. And I believe there's a mug, you know. In my <laughs> I'm the mug. Yeah. <laughs> but when it comes to attending to people, obviously we're not talking about making them a cup of tea, although <clears> that <throat> does come into it in some times. But it's like the way that you put elements together. It's about there's a vessel, there's some you know, something that pours in mm. and there's also something that is infused in that. Mm. But there is just the way that you add all of that together. And, of course, it can be really complicated, actually. Yeah. Mm. You know, are you a double bagger? You didn't ask me if I wanted two tea bags. I didn't. I actually do love two tea bags, but this is okay. But you know what? Next time. <laughs> you so you have your face right now. <laughs> Next time I know. So that's yeah. all right. Yeah, two tea bags. That's and like, do you know what it is to just figure that out? That's what people care is like for me. It's it's the way that we attend. It's the way we listen. It's reading between the lines of what they're saying, and it's a little bit of an art form, but it's easy when you know how, I suppose. Mm. That's yeah. really interesting. Just because I'm. Just consciousness, and I'm listening to you, but mm. I've also got my own. Yeah, my own thoughts going through my mind, thinking yeah. about details mm -hmm. and how important detail is mm -hmm. in that posture. Yeah, and mm -hmm. the attention to detail, oh. yeah. stuff of that nature. It's, but that's that's the way that came to me was that attentiveness, it's, yeah. this sense of your present, hundred percent. And it's really feels really awkward to say, well, it's about good listening. Because that is what we, that's a skill. Yeah. It's not, listening is not quite cutting it. Mm. You know, there's a type of listening. Yeah. There's a type of posture. And certainly with the brain and the nervous system, which is sort of where I meddle around, uh, that is a complex sport. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting idea. Mm. And uh, it's something that I really love and I've come to love, but, you know, takes a little bit of it's, yeah takes a little bit of practice as well yeah mm. just really quickly because you did mention something about it's not just listening yeah for anything could you maybe give us an example then of what it means to truly listen well then? yes i know i thought you might ask that question sorry it's like um you know you and i right now we're having a conversation but i could read between the lines of what you're saying and try and put elements together mm. it's like listening to a song lyric and um, connecting with the lyric maybe it's the chord progression I don't know maybe it is the lyric but there'll be something about that lyric mm. that 
gets to you or yes. hooks you. Yeah. In fact, they do that when they're writing songs. They, they're looking for hooks. Yes. Yeah. And what you're trying to do when you're attending to someone and listening to them is that you are picking up the lyrics of their life yeah. and you're stitching it together into yeah. a lyric. Mm. Uh, like there's Good hooks metaphor. there <clears throat> and you want to you actually make sure you understand the lyrics so that you could sing along even. Yes. You know? Um, yeah. And it's a beautiful metaphor. I guess that dovetail pretty well to the next question. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah, I mean, I guess it, it feels like you've already sort of answered that in some ways, but what does it look like to care for people physically, emotionally, normally, oh, sorry, mentally, perhaps <laughs> even spiritually, normally maybe is another thing, sorry, my eyes aren't the best. Um, yeah. Well, you're right. We're, it's a whole person. Mm. So it's the bio biological, the bio, psycho, social, spiritual model we talk about in, in psychology. So you want to make sure that you are thinking of all those elements together. Mm. The bio, yep. physical, the emotional, mental, so bio, psycho, social, and spiritual, whole person. And uh, that is also um, those things are dealt with in different ways at different times so they're elements of a, a person's worldview or way of being mm. that you i guess scale in order of priority yeah you know so i might attend to someone and start with the physical what's your sleep like what's your iron what's your thyroid doing yeah. you know iron levels mm. that sort of thing and then I think uh, I better move now to, you know, another aspect, the social, you know, maybe. You know, yeah, so yeah. I'm scaling those priorities all the time in liaison with a person. And everyone's slightly different. Yeah. Mm. So there's no real one size fits all. Mm. It's about how you put the elements together. A bit like making the cup, cup of tea. Of tea. <laughs> yes, you I'm thinking the about the priority together. of those things and how you. Mm. Yeah. How you address it. Mm, and I guess in the classroom, like in, in, in what we do with yeah. the education, yeah. what's some thoughts in regards to how we might prioritise that? I wonder this about a one because I often imagine you guys sort of taking this particular population group, you know, this, this group of particularly perhaps at risk youth, mm. and you're looking at educating them, but you are looking at their whole person. Yeah. Mm. And you're also prioritising their well-being, mm. and you're putting the dovetailing, telling the two together. And I often wonder, I often wonder how you prioritise that. Actually, mm. you know, in a classroom setting, so you've yeah. got to give them the capacity to learn. Yeah. So you might sort of focus on the well-being bits, but you can't over-focus on that because you could get down a rabbit hole. So you've got to bring in the structure and, yes. you know, attain, people need to attain their learning. So, mm. yeah, I often wonder about that. Mm. Well, I'd I mean, what, a fly on the wall. Yeah, well, one of the things, one of the things, definitely, I mean, Nathan, you might want to speak to this, but one of them is creating that sense of belonging. That's probably oh, one of the yes. first things yeah. that we look one, to create yeah. for a young person, that sense of just, I, yeah. I'm safe, I belong, yeah. I fit here. Mm. Yeah. I can be myself here. Yeah, I can take come off, as you are. Yeah, I can take off those masks. And that doesn't happen straight away. That obviously takes time. Mm. Yes. Yeah. And that can take quite a long time. Mm. Sometimes it's taken, you know, Mm. years yeah but even just something as simple as you know staff here the whole time we go by first name basis with our students like yeah. both ways yeah, so it's not like it's not mr forster it's nathan yeah. when the yeah. student comes to see me or it's the same with the teacher as well mm. um yeah it's yeah staying with that space of belonging mm. i guess the other thing mm. as well would be um even the physical spaces that we have 100%. so the way we kind of design the classroom ah. space you know if we need a room for students to go to if they're a bit nervous or mm. anxious you know they can go into that space for mm. example to start with mm -hmm. things like that but everything that kind of meets the students where they currently mm. are and then yeah creating mm. that sense of safety belonging yeah safety is a big one atmosphere of peace is another big one you know trauma aware schooling Mm. You know, that a factor in. Yeah. You're talking about the aesthetic of what you do, how you present. Yes. Yeah, see, there's so many elements. How do you create an atmosphere of peace? Oh, 
Well, now I'm asking. I'm going <laughs> off script. You know, that's okay. <laughs> it's good. You know what it is? Is it's in who who we are, mm. and you know how we approach someone, but it's also in the environment that we create. Yeah. And um, you know, at our clinic, we've got some we've got some ground rules around that actually yeah. about how to um, create an atmosphere of peace. Can you divulge one of those ground rules, or yeah, is it? I'm just thinking, which one should I divulge? Um, we like to make sure that we are emotionally predictable as people. Yeah. So you know that sounds a bit like, oh yeah, interesting, I suppose. But all the te- the team that I have, I make sure that emo- emotionally they're mm. quite. Predictable. They know how to regulate their emotions mm-hmm. because we do so much heavy work inside the room. When we come outside of the room, we need everything to be peaceful mm-hmm. and emotionally safe mm-hmm. and predictable. So you know what? If you are having a bad day and you're on front of house answering the phones, answering emails, you have full permission to remove yourself from that space and mm-hmm. go and you know, to hold on to your peace, yeah. you know, yeah. so that actually the atmosphere of peace can be maintained. Uh, there's just a little, that's an example. Mm, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, because we just can't have, we just can't afford in this, in our environment oh, yeah. to be, you know, mm. emotionally sort of unpredictable or up and down. That's not to say we can't be human because we are For definitely sure. human, Absolutely. but it's yeah. actually we do things to maintain that peace and to hold on to that peace in our particular setting yeah Yeah. i mean and that i mean for those of you listening like that would apply to the work we do as as equally uh, you know because i think that's what Mm. kids need that yeah yes i mean we need that as human Mm -hmm. beings but Mm -hmm. definitely the students that we serve and the parents we work with i think are really important yeah it's funny i was thinking the two things that come to my mind as you were saying that was the concept of cultivating a non-anxious presence mm-hmm. um, that, yeah, we do our inner work. And, yes, yeah. it, it coincides with our humanity. That yeah, we're going to totally. have up and down. Yeah, but it's okay to be human. That's right. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. But then, yeah, what does it mean to yeah. want to cultivate that? Yeah. To then, if it, in a special note to one, you know, for staff mm. listening, mm. where there's crisis is left, right and centre, what does it mean to kind of walk into those spaces rather than run yeah, or feel it. rushed. Yeah, that's right. Um, a lot of collaboration mm. happens. Yeah. You know, to maintain an atmosphere of peace. There's lots of things, isn't there? Yeah. So good. I think for those of you who are listening and maybe you're not part of Alter One as well, whether you're mm. a parent or you're a, you know, you work in some other form of engagement with young people or families or community, just considering that question, how do you build an atmosphere of peace mm. in the work that you do? Mm-hmm. And how what do you do with that and how do you practice that as a human mm-hmm. and do it well? Because you bring that with you. Totally, yeah. totally. Yeah. Um, uh, I think Nathan was going to talk a little bit about Going the extra yeah, mile. well, and, and in some sense, this has to do with transition from, I guess, caring from people well in the context of staff to students, but there's also staff to staff. Yeah. And something that is just language that we often hear in many organisations mm. is sometimes the language of, um, you know, the language of going the extra mile, you know, when it comes to work. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also um, talking organisations as well that that we have our boundaries around mm-hmm. our work, you know, start times, finish times, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, sometimes as a result, people ask, well, which is it? You know, mm. are we, do we, you know. Which one is uh, it? Yeah, that's right. Am I yeah. being a less than old staff member? <laughs> yeah. I choose to switch <laughs> yeah, off. Which one? Um, so what does it actually mean to go the extra mile for caring for people? And what doesn't it mean? <laughs> yeah. I guess this is a really interesting question because just the very nature of attending to someone is a very self, potentially just a self-sacrificing thing to do. Mm. And yeah, you, you need to really be congruent with your boundaries. So your yes is yes and your no is no and it's important to have boundaries. And it's, I guess it's important to know where you start and finish, isn't it? So that sense of self and, mm. um, you know, your identity and all those things. People help us by profile 
typically go the extra mile. You know, that's just typically... We'll, we'll reach that little bit further. Mm. Uh, we'll extend ourselves that little bit further. Mm. That's that's t- typical for the helping professions. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's sort of... It, within that, there's always talk about self-care and boundaries. And, you know, those terms really annoy me sometimes cause probably because <laughs> I'm just sick of them. But they're, and they're so important, I'm not saying they're obvious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah, You're so, in the safe space saying that. <laughs> yeah, like so, but it's like... Um, there's also impression management in, involved. You know, yeah. we, you know, when I walk into the shopping centre... And I'm getting a hot chook. And at the hot chook, <coughs> there is my client. You know, like, so mm. do I say hello and, you know, chat away and, you know, with my kids and my family, do I not do that? You know, where is, there's all sorts of boundaries, questions that mm. come up for the helping professionals. Mm. Um Am I allowed to switch off and just get a hot chalk and walk away to get to the count? You know, like, I don't yeah. know. It's yeah. like... Mm-hmm. But I guess... Um, I think for me, if I think about that question, mm. how what do I do to go the extra mile? Do I... What are my boundaries? You know, where do they start and finish? I always think about having clarity around that. Mm. Just number one, I need clarity about who I am, when and where I start and finish, mm. what I have to give. And it's okay for me to be human mm. and to sort of call call it a day mm. and say, well, you know, I embrace my limitations mm. and my humanity mm. around going the extra mile, mm. you might say. Mm. Um, and it's just about having congruence with those things. Yes, yeah. You know, being what I say on the outside and what I say on the inside matches. Mm. <laughs> Hmm. That's the big thing, yeah. There's a there's a book called Integrity by Dr. Henry Cloud, and one. he's the big boundary guy, mm. you know. Mm. But he wrote this book called Integrity, and I think I've spoken to all one about it before. It's one of my favourite books because mm. it just talks about how to be congruent with the reality of life and demands and so on. I also think it's really important to protect safe places. So for me. Whatever is a safe space that I need to sort of retreat into or have protected, I need to protect that stuff. I need to protect my time off. I need to protect, you know, I booked holiday time. I need to protect it because mm. I could easily go the extra mile. Mm-hmm. And I think safe spaces and those sorts of things need to be protected, mm. you know, as a helping professional. Mm. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. But I think as well, like, we often think going the extra mile always has to mean more um, quantity mm. of work, whereas I think, yeah, that's right. I think understanding going that's the extra mile in the context of boundaries means mm-hmm. that going the extra mile is just having good quality work within boundary right. time. Absolutely, that you know? you're allowed to define. Yes. And, I, and I'm actually not defined by what I do. I'm defined by who I am. Mm. You know, we know that. It's not important. Mm. But, um, and just being really clear about that. Yes. Just being really clear and reviewing them regularly and then protecting the time that you set aside. That's right. Yeah. That's right. It's interesting yeah. that you say reviewing them. I'm sitting here thinking about, do you see that as a fixed practice or is it a constantly evolving you know, it's practice? It's a constantly evolving blend, I would say. Mm. You're constantly sort of reviewing that and blending that in and out with the other aspects of your life and the other needs that you have. Mm. So important. I do like that thought that you said about people in helping professions, which I think a lot of our staff, if not yeah. all of our staff, are mm-hmm. in that role mm-hmm. in some way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the tendency is that our team do go mm-hmm. often the extra mile. Mm-hmm. The, 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 mm-hmm. the balance is to not overreach, mm. overextend. And I love that thought about limitation. I think that's super important. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I think that's your own. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what I meant before as well, where it's like, there's not a conflict between going mm-hmm. the extra mile and boundaries. Because mm-hmm. once you have those good boundaries in mm-hmm. place, you do the quality work. Mm-hmm. So, them. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if right. you lack the quality, that's not going the extra mile. But going the extra mile is actually arriving with your full mm-hmm. self mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. that boundary time that mm-hmm. you, you've yeah, got. Emphasis on quality as opposed to we give yeah. the better quantity. The, 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 the most richer part of ourself to yes. the work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the extra mile, perhaps. Really exhausted. Yeah. Mm. 
myself, which I think can happen too because we are human. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot of freedom yeah. in that space. If you're operating yeah. within your, your grey zone or within those defined boundaries, mm. then you can find a lot of freedom in those spaces. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Totally. I think one of the things which, you know, in, in getting ready for this podcast with yourself yeah. was, was looking at something which often happens in a helping profession, particularly in the work we do, is this idea of secondary trauma. Oh, yeah. Um, and I guess the question mm. of, of that and how we, you know, one, for those listeners who maybe don't know what secondary trauma is, could you explain what that is? Mm. And I guess the other thing is is um, how it might affect us in our work and how we can mitigate that. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. I really love this subject because, uh, I've got, yeah, I've got a few things to say about this, I think. Oh, please. Well, you know, like, I think, wow, how have I immersed myself up to the eyeballs in, mm. you know, uh, mental health challenges that are, I think on the last check, I'll just check my pulse. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, you looked okay when you came in. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's a cup of tea. Yeah, I'm I was really like, <laughs> <laughs> You know, how hard is that, you know? And I have to say, like, well, vi- first of all, vicarious trauma or secondary trauma, mm. called it vicarious tra- trauma, is really the negative changes we notice that are a res- as a result of empathic engagement mm. with people that have been traumatized. Yeah. So I'll say that again: vicarious trauma is the negative changes we notice within ourselves mm. that are as a result of empathic engagement Mm. with trauma survivors. Mm. And those negative changes can look like all sorts of things. And Mm. we often hear about, you know, compassion fatigue, burnout, Mm. indifference, you know. Um, So there's those subjects which I thought, I'm not going to really go into necessarily, unless you want me to, but... Oh, I could attach a PDF about that, which I've already given Alter One. I think I had to ask me to do something on burnout last time I spoke to Alter One, I think. Oh. Yeah, a little while ago. Mm-hmm. So I did that. But I think if I'm really just to sort of talk with a new idea or perhaps concepts that I subscribe to. <coughs> Excuse me. I've got to watch my absorption mm. rates. <laughs> And so the best way that I describe it is to say that when I'm... I'm going to put my cup of tea down to show you. I'm going to use my hands for this little analogy. When I sit with you and I am going to attend to you with that posture that we were talking about before, in my particular setting, um, you know, I'm going to open up a file with all the bits and pieces in there about you. And I'm actually going to... We're going to add to it. Yeah. And I can get all up and about in your business, you know, <laughs> in this moment that yeah. I'm having with you. Yeah. I'm walking alongside you. I'm listening to all the things that have been happening. Perhaps I'm contemplating all the details and I'm, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm meddling in your affairs <laughs> with your yeah. permission, yes. you know. But ethically, and it's really important to have a strong ethics bone in there somewhere. I'm of the awareness that this information belongs to you and you alone. Mm -hmm. And so when we're finished with that process and I close that file, you know, Mm. that's I suppose a physical thing that I Mm -hmm. do, I'm actually giving it back to you because ethically I believe that you have a right to your autonomy that's your choices, your, mm-hmm. your ability to think and choose for your life. I know that there is a purpose for your life and that that, that belongs to you. Yeah. I am not the judge and jury over your life and that belongs to you too. Mm. And so I put that back in its rightful place. Very good. And so in doing like because that's an ethical standpoint, mm-hmm. I'm like, hell, I better not touch that stuff mm-hmm. and meddle in those affairs other than what I've been given Permission. the parameters to mm. do so. Yeah. And it would be, like, I don't judge, I'm not. There's a lot of, like, things I don't do mm-hmm. in that. So when I close that, I'm actually giving it back to you and, mm. and believing that you, 
as you step out and into the world around you will navigate your way because life has a way, you know, mm. of speaking to you, directing you. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And I just, that's my ethical stance. So therefore my absorption rates are quite low. And I don't say that because I don't care about, you know, when I open that yeah. moment mm, that with sense. you, oh yeah. my gosh, I'm, I'm in, I'm swimming yeah. in. Yeah. I'm absorbing. yeah, yeah, right there. Absolutely. Oh, absorption. Yes. There's absorption rate. <laughs> but I still know that this is not my stuff. This is not my bag. Mm. You know, it, it is yours. And I have this privileged position to kind of conceptualize or or facilitate health and wholeness and growth and recovery and all those things, but respectfully, mm. uh, ethically believe that it is yours to, to hold yes. and not mine. Mm. So good. So it's almost like this comes from the principles of the ethics of care. Mm. It can also apply to the ethics of justice. Mm. Um, they, are, they are philosophical and ethical yeah. um, virtues, if you like, you mm. know, they're because sometimes even with justice, you know, I imagine working with, you know, mm. some at-risk youth, you know, there's like rah, 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 rah. You know, you could really get in that business. Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah, so. That's really good. Mm, that's that's how I manage the absorption rates. Mm. You know, I, you know, there's an ecosystem yeah. of rhythms and yes self-care and yes routine and yes upskilling and yes mentoring and yes coaching that I can do I can be inspired I can watch my character I can make sure the work is rewarding you know all of those things are relevant and I could have talked about those things perhaps Mm. but but at the core of what I'm doing in those interactions I'm actually only just minding the information yeah. for a moment and it actually belongs to you. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah. You, no, no, you go, you go. I was just going to say, just I think how important for us as staff members to, to hear that. Yeah. You know, um, because sometimes we get the mentality that to care for a student, we always have to be switched on to their, mm-hmm. to what's happening with them, their mm-hmm. needs, their concerns, mm-hmm. you know, justice-wise and the more systemic mm-hmm. issues that they're swept up mm-hmm. in outside of the school. But I think there's something quite powerful for us staff listening that, listening to that and actually hearing, you know what, we've, we've got them for a moment. Mm. There's something really important about hearing that and I think about it in the sense that you know, staff need to know that it's okay to go, we're actually here just for this moment mm-hmm. and I'll come with my full self for this moment. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I will walk in solidarity with mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And I will attend to you in that regard. But ultimately, I'm just, I'm not the author and perfecter and the finisher and yes. the, yeah. you know, the judge and the, you Absolutely. know, of your life. Yeah. You know, like Absolutely. that ethically, you are equipped for, actually. You don't feel equipped, but actually that belongs mm. to you. And mm. that that's really important distinction yes yeah yeah i like that mm-hmm. it I, just yeah i think as well like it, it gives it gives staff members the sense that <laughs> I, mean, I i think about it in terms of what it means to be present for that moment and then when you're not present for that moment it's not that you we stop caring at a fundamental mm-hmm. level in in some ways we could say that mm-hmm. it enables us to care more in the long run mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we're able to go you know what I care about you enough to not lose mm-hmm. sleep mm-hmm. <laughs> when I get home. Because mm-hmm. if I lose sleep, mm-hmm. I'm then not as present with mm-hmm. you the next time I'm with mm-hmm. you. And so, I think containment is really important too. What is my focus? Yes. What is my priority? And how do I contain those things? Mm. I think containment, you know how you were saying, like with, with attending to the needs of students, you were aware of all the <laughs> peripheral things. Mm. And it can be hard to sort of go, <clears throat> how do I, what am I? focusing prioritizing containing Mm. you know it can be hard to do that and Mm. i'm not saying that in the course of sort of attending in the clinics that we have that you know in the context of the day i can hear something happen in the weight room or in the clinician rooms and i'm like like i it doesn't take me long Mm. for my nervous system to go you know Mm. sort of Mm. switched on Mm. 
um, I guess having my environment contained mm. and then I know when something's dropped off the radar, mm. you know, like mm. I know that quickly and I know how to attend to that with yes. priority and focus. But but it's really, yeah, those containment lines are really important mm. too. Yeah. So many good things in there. I want to dig in more. But I don't. I'm, I'm, I don't I'm, 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 I'm not going to. Yes, I, I yes. do want to. I might do it after the podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> look, I guess that sort of leads to the question in regards to. So, one of the ways that obviously organisations now look after themselves, and we look after our staff, and want to look after our staff is engaging in our employee assistance program, our EAP, mm. which is not necessarily a plug for masters, but you are. Mm. our provider Mm -hmm. so it makes sort of sense you want to talk to us a little bit about that Mm. and what is an EAP exactly and and what's the value for for that yeah good an employee assistance program and a lot of people when when they hear that we have an EAP available to you as an (laughs) ultra one employee you can switch off because you can think yeah nah I won't be needing that you know sort of thing yeah yeah but it's really the wrong way to hold your responsibility in an environment like this. Mm. Um, really, it's it's sort of like an an extension or an extension of your toolkit to say, I actually have resources there by me that I should use or could use, whether it's in I'm in an emergency or a crisis situation yep. or not. Mm. You know, just to kind of have in your tool belt the capacity to take responsibility for the work that you're doing understanding that you're working in in an at-risk population with complex needs you know i sort of think guys you know you really are Mm. you know in and among it yeah so actually to have assistance as an employee staff member that is resourcing you it's more about a resource Yep. And you know whether something's not very helpful yep. or not. So it might, you know, you have to make sure that it's a helpful resource. And if that's not the helpful resource, get another helpful resource. Mm. But an EAP is really an extra tool in your tool belt to equip you or resource you so that you can attend and hold the responsibility for which you are undertaking in a particular way. And um, and that therein lies its value. So actually... In a clinical psychology sense, we are, this is ingrained for like eight years from the day one till day eight, you know, like eight years later, we sort of have to, we're not allowed to even register for the next year mm. of licensed practice unless yeah. we can evidence that we are engaging in reflective practice, having supervision, yeah. you know, dealing with our own stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not, we have to evidence that. So, like, and we have to pay money big money to yeah. kind of do that <laughs> yep. you know so i think in this setting similar kind of principles apply to maybe the well-being component because yeah. you're attending yes educationally but yes to to at risk and often clinically high needs cases mm-hmm. uh i would say that that is going to be essential right. for you as a as part of your supervision practice self-care practice professional development practices, etc. Yeah. yeah. That's just my opinion. So it's not always just in regards to, you know... You've Waiting for a crisis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or some, mm. you know, drastic issue where you've, no. you've absorbed so much that you can't tug. You can, it can be a real learning space for you as totally. well. Totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And sometimes what's interesting about it, a stressful job, let's say, um, is that the job can be fine, mm. but all of a sudden the stress at home becomes unbearable because your stress quota overall is unbearable. Mm. So it's not about just sort of saying, oh, my job either. You know, often Mm. all-to-one employees will access services for their own needs. You know, maybe Mm. there's a stressful family issue or some grief, you know, reaction or, you know, something that you need to focus around. It's not necessarily just to do all with work. Mm. Um, you can have different things pop up. Totally. Yeah, just in the totally. context of managing all the things. 
That's great. And we're glad to have you as an EAP. Mm. And I know yeah. staff are using that. Mm, I know I encourage you, you know, if you're listening and you're, and you're mm. needing that or maybe you, you're listening you don't realise that Alter One actually has that. Mm. Hopefully you do. Mm-hmm. But if you don't, then, mm-hmm. you know, talk to your regional principal or talk to your, your line mm-hmm. management and mm-hmm. access that because that's mm. a resource for mm-hmm. you to engage with and, and uh, support you in not mm. just in your work but in everything about your yeah. life. So I love that about what I've learned in liaising with some of the more team leaders and leaders in Ultra One is that you really have a commitment to the team. Um, I, I hear language around you wanting to upskill, you wanting to inspire, you wanting to even attract other, you know, team members. You want the team culture to be yeah, a strong totally. culture. So, totally. yeah. And that's a big focus, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, we've talked a little bit about self-care within mm-hmm. the show. Mm-hmm. Um, we've even, organisation, we've talked about self-care over the years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and obviously things like boundaries and, you know, boundaries around doing, um, you know, when we start work, finish work, you know, uh, things around doing out-of-work life-giving activities and so <laughs> on and so forth, right? Um, we've heard a lot of that in the mm. past. Um Instead, then, could you offer us some other practical strategies, maybe some tips or tricks, if you like, to managing our responses in the pursuit of caring well for people? Yeah. Um, probably what I could say is what I, what I observe as the most potent mm. in all of the self-care conversation, boundaries conversation, you know, making sure you've got hobbies, conversation, <laughs> you know, all the things, mm. is that most people respond, most helping professionals respond to relationship mm. and connecting with colleagues and or others to um, either bring humour in the work that they're doing, <laughs> um, to have meaningful moments yeah. of depth, yeah with each other um, and to have a, a really strong ecosystem of gathers, you know, gatherings, um, celebrating moments, milestones, when things get tough, having a healthy budget for that, you know, you know, and yes, the co- you know, yes, to get coaching, yes, to be inspired, mm. yes, to have rewards, you know, mm. you like to be rewarded for what you do, it's got to be rewarding, mm. um, yes, upskilling, but if I had to choose one thing mm. in my self-care regime that was going to be the most potent among all the things mm. and what I see among, you know, I've got a team of 40. It's certainly not like the biggest organisation in the city or anything like that and I'm not a seasoned CEO, you know, this is just my first leadership gig. But I watch the team manage people care and suffering all of the time mm. consistently and not be oppressed by it and what i think they're doing among all the things is they're connecting relationally mm. and having a bit of a laugh to be honest yeah <laughs> like, if i can no <laughs> yes you can you know there's there's people in our organization so that go around and just change the pictures in the frames <laughs> like it's a really subtle thing <laughs> but the pictures in the frames are not always the most appropriate and they're out of the client's view <laughs> but they're often themed in a certain way they like just something like that yes a bit of hilarity you know a yes. little bit of yes. walk in the line you know a bit of dark humor mm. you know and each other yes so and good. i actually think that is the most potent. Oh, so yeah. good. Absolutely agree. You're speaking me and Mark's language <laughs> right now. And I would say even broadly across Alt One, it's important to hear that, not because we don't necessarily do that, but as, an, as a reaffirmation yeah. that it's actually mm-hmm. good workplace good culture to yeah. do with that. <laughs> that it's not a, it's not a distraction for yeah. work or, or a lack of work, but it's actually integrated as part of what makes, yeah. I think, a healthy organisation to have... <gasps> Love, laughter, and yeah, but you know, know what? As a leader, cheekiness. <laughs> totally. But as a leader, like to be honest, I would hear that stuff. You know, to be a good leader, you have to have gathers, and I would just be like, 
you know, like <laughs> really, mm. you know. Mm. But to me, like to really set aside a budget for ridiculous photos in photo frames yeah. or yeah. a budget towards well-being initiatives, mm. teen moments, yes. you know. Like to actually do that is really, really important. Yeah. Mm. That it's not just like lip service. I'm like, oh, no, I've noticed that that is what the team need. You know, they need. So, we, yeah. Our biggest, our most favourite thing in the whole team is that we have this Christmas party, which, you know, I, I sort of think I'm surprised everyone comes. They come because there's a blooper reel of moments collected throughout the year Ridiculous things that have happened in the clinic that happens to be a court on film from the team, you know, things, <laughs> stupid things they've done or whatever. And it's put in this blooper package and the team love it. And it's like they laugh at each other and they laugh at the hilarity and the <laughs> inappropriateness and the this and the that. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's yes. like yeah. oh gosh, you know, that's a self-care practice as far as I'm concerned. There's so much license happening right now. <laughs> I can, I'm listening to people on this podcast in my mind going, yes, <laughs> now I'm, I have total permission. <laughs> and yes, you do. You have total permission. Be, uh, be connoisseurs of joy in the workplace. I will yeah. speak on behalf of Aaron Gregory and say Aaron also endorses this um, <laughs> that is so good yeah. I think that's a really really just a reaffirming a lot of what we what we I think we believe mm, I think it's so are. important yeah, yeah. And, and super important I think in a in a culture like this mm-hmm. and the work like this yeah that's that's we do. you want to come to work and enjoy your work yeah 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 um, and it's particularly in environments that are a bit oppressive or mm. potential for like yeah you know, and you've got to be sincere and you've got to follow the rules and all those sorts of yeah. things, but you you have to be able to, the pressure valve has to yeah. be able, you have to decompress yeah. as well. Mm. So, it's good. so speaking of joy and mm. stuff like that and self-care and you know, I've got a random question. This is sort of, <laughs> I guess we're coming to a close. Firstly, can I just say on behalf of the college, thank you for your support. Mm. Thank you. Um, thank you for all the work that you do and also thank you for your spirit and your heart and your friendship in mm. being a, a person who's connected to the work that yeah. we do and we really value that and thank you for coming on the yeah, podcast it's no been worries. awesome to have you but in a parting question i've got to ask this is my stupid what questions. is this parting question it's not about a cup of tea even though i could go there but um <laughs> what are you watching right now what are you streaming what's your go-to streaming service do you are you watching anything right now that is really capturing your attention on any streaming service you know what i love crime documentaries sorry and i also love religious you know trauma documentaries at the moment (laughs) (laughs) really like listening yeah Yeah. yes yes (laughs) so i've just watched something oh stay sweet prana bay i think it's called oh someone sent me a text to that yep yep and then um but then crime documentaries so these unsolved mysteries and like yeah i love that i love just problem solving (laughs) Terrible. Are you sitting that. there? Are you sitting there working it out? Are you yeah, analysing yeah, everything? Yeah, and like, read between the lines. Is that and a <laughs> <laughs> that's so much fun. So, I, yeah. Oh, mate, that's great. Mm. Okay, well, there you go. Yeah, so to decompress, me. go and yeah. listen to uh, <laughs> right, crime documentaries and uh, religious <laughs> yeah. documentaries, and grab a cup of tea while you're at it. That's right. Oh, there we go. And a dash of milk and sugar. But hey, thank you so much for being with us. It's been awesome. Yes, thank and, you. And uh, we might need to get you back for some other questions down the line if you'll come back. Yeah, so, and uh, thanks to all of you for listening. Um, keep flourishing and tune into the next podcast soon. See you, everyone. Bye. You have been listening to Heartbeat. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to the show and share far and wide. This has been a podcast produced by Alter One College. To find out more about Alter One College, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, or visit the college website at www.alter-one.com.au.